You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 115. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here. How have you been doing? How are you doing? I feel like it's been a month of summer since we've talked, and it's only been a couple weeks. But my life has taken some very interesting turns. And while I'm not quite ready to expose all of what's going on in my life out to the world, because I'm still in the process of just figuring it out and compartmentalizing it, working through a lot of emotions, the trials, the tribulations. I mean, so much has happened and so much is going to continue to happen as I begin to transition out of Los Angeles onto the next stage of my journey. And it was important for me to just take a step back and really figure out what was going on in my life and where I was looking to lead it moving forward. The speaking coaching business has definitely been doing very well, especially considering we're still in a pandemic. And so as I began to understand more about my environment and my geography and how that was playing a role in where I was finding myself being, you know, led and guided toward in this journey, I started to realize that Southern California doesn't have to be where I do what I do. And there can be other places that are more grounding for me to live in and other places for me to journey. 12 years in Los Angeles, I, in a million, in a million years, I never thought I would be in LA for 12 years. I could have been in first grade and graduated high school. I've been here so long. And so as I begin to think about ways to discuss where my life is going and how to make this impactful for you, one of the things that has been happening a lot in my life and where I'm really putting a lot of self-awareness and a lot of attention toward is where in my life I'm conflict avoidant. Where in your life are you conflict avoidant? Where do you avoid conflict and instead bite your tongue, hold back what you'd really like to say? Where are you not stepping into your highest sense of self and expressing what it is you desire, whether it be in your home, in your schooling, in your education, at work, in life? And as we get ready to dive deeper into conflict avoidance versus being conflict resolvent, I really want to make sure that I put some emphasis at the beginning that being conflict avoidant versus conflict resolvent doesn't mean that you get to be rude to people about their behaviors or what they're doing and how it's not working for you. Thinking, well, Okay, Jesse said I should be, you know, don't be conflict avoidant. So if somebody cuts me off on the road, I should chase them down and, you know, run into the back of their car and scream at them because if I don't, I'm avoiding that conflict. No, I'm not giving you permission to be rude. You don't get permission to be insensitive to other people's existence on this planet. You don't just get to walk around saying it's my way or the highway. That's not what 
moving through conflict avoidance and into conflict resolvance is. And that's really important that we are extremely aware of that as we begin to discuss this. That avoiding a conflict with someone who cuts you off um, in, in the grocery store aisle, right? Snapping at them and saying, how dare you do that? I deserve to be here just as much as you. And turning it into an actual conflict, right? Doesn't mean, well, see, if I hadn't have done that, Jesse, I would have avoided that conflict. There are times in life where just being polite, even if somebody else isn't being polite, is the more advantageous route for you. And I want you to be aware of politeness versus conflict avoidance. And make sure that you aren't just using this, Jesse said, let's not be conflict avoidant as a reason to be rude to people. That's not what we're looking for here. But what we are looking for is actual areas of your life where you're not speaking your truth, where you're not coming out and talking about things that are important to you because you're afraid it's going to create a conflict where there's the opportunity for you to be rejected for your thoughts, for your feelings, for your actions, and for the results they've brought you. So often, I have noticed in my own life where someone might say something that I'm, it's a little off-putting. I'm not so sure that I agree with it. Now, I have in that moment a choice to just open up my mind, listen to what they say, knowing that just because I listen doesn't mean I condone it. I create a space for them to speak their mind, and then I can speak mine. But I can be actively listening to what they say, not to respond, but to learn more about them, and not to learn to judge them right or wrong, but to just learn more about them and what experiences has have been created in their life that have led them to me to say what they're saying in front of me in that moment. It's a damn shame more people aren't doing this in our society right now. And instead, we've got people, you know, even in the college world where let's look back to the 60s and 70s, that's where, you know, the feminist and the social issues, that's where so many amazing things were happening. And all of a sudden, that's where people were supposed to be able to speak out. And now we seem to be living in a society where culturally we want less people to speak out because they may say things we don't agree with. And I want people to say things in front of me that I don't agree with. I want to have my mind expanded. I want to be thinking outside of the box. When we start to put ourselves off into these little cliques in college, when we start to protect ourselves in this little bubble so that people's mean words can't hurt us, we really take away an opportunity to resolve conflict at a level where we actually realize, hey, this person doesn't just say these things because they're mean. They say them because it's a learned behavior. They say them because they have experiences in the past that their mind is now generalizing has always going to be that way. And now they're behaving this way in front of me because of these experiences. It could be racism. Somewhere in their life, someone of a different race has done something to them that causes them to generalize anybody from that race as a particular problem area in their life. 
and they could have just as much conflict with their own race, but they're not paying attention to their own race as far as a race goes. They might break that one down by age or gender or sexual orientation. There's a lot of different ways that people can start to compartmentalize other people, right? But at the same time, it's happening in their life, and we, we want to take such offense to it. You hear people, you know, talking about how the millennials are all a bunch of little, what is it, like, they'll say things like they're cream puffs or they're little crybabies or we got to put them in a little bubble, or how they're all little butterflies, right? Every younger generation that has had to go through some level of growth within their own generation and then been able to take that growth and hopefully instill it into the other generations as like, hey, we're, we're seeking more equality here, where we're seeking more clarity about how we're going to treat each other moving forward. This is a, a significant evolution that has been happening since the dawn of time. We just happen to be smack down in the middle of the information age, the social media age, where all of the world's knowledge is at our fingertips and what anybody wants to say can be broadcast over a spectrum that can literally reach the far ends of the earth. So we're dealing with a, a transmission of knowledge and information and opinion that this planet has never seen before. And we do not have the resources available to us right now emotionally to handle this much intellectual and uh, information and opinion-oriented communication. We do not have the resources yet available to us to not get offended every single time somebody says something that we don't agree with. We're working on it. We certainly are working on it. And one of the ways that we can continue to work on it is by seeking to resolve our conflicts rather than avoid them. When we break each other off into these little secular groups, these, these, it's basically a, a good word for it is segregation. When we segregate ourselves off in these little groups, whether it's within the society as a whole or within the collegiate system, we take away an opportunity for those of us who need to learn from others to actually learn from others. In the past, I've talked about the six human needs and how we all are seeking certainty and safety and variety and love and contribution and um, personal growth and development and significance within our communities. This is, these are the things that we seek in our lives. When you get into a conversation, whether that person is a you know, devout Catholic for, and there's a Muslim and there's a Buddhist sitting next to them, or if they're you know, insanely racist and you know, it's, they're right up there with Hitler and the Nazis and you've got somebody else who's part of the Black Life Movement, if you could get them into a conversation and move through the obvious differences that are on the surface, if we can start getting to the similarities below the surface, if we can start getting to how we're all human, and we all seek food and water and warmth and shelter, we break down the barriers that we have been using to segregate us, and we actually realize that we're all looking for a safe, warm place to, to lay our head, to raise our families. We just want to exist in a peaceful state. Yes, yes, I know some of you out there right now are saying, hey, there are some people who are violent and they're mean and they want to wreak havoc. Absolutely. There are those people. 
but that is not a majority of the people. Or you would be experiencing, you know, the Walking Dead level purge activity outside of your door and window every single day. Most of society just wants to exist and be left the hell alone. Leaving people the hell alone can lead to conflict avoidance. And this is where we start to circle back to the main theme of the show. Yes, we don't want to be up in people's faces every single time they say something that we don't agree with. We don't want to avoid the conflicts that could actually be bringing us together. We want to be resolving them. But we want to do it in a state where we're not emotionally triggered. We want to do it from a state of emotionally groundedness where we're present in our bodies, where shouting and screaming and yelling isn't the answer. And we know it's not the answer, so we don't behave that way. When we avoid conflict, we lock up our own voice. We, and we're telling ourselves at an unconscious level, somebody else's voice, somebody else's opinion is more important than mine. So I will just shut the hell up and let them talk. But the more you do that, the more you bury those feelings, the more you screw this meta, it's this picture right now in my hand. I'm picturing like I've got a screwdriver and just screwing in this, this negativity, this nastiness that you feel because you're holding back what you'd really rather be saying. But are you, are you ready to say something emotionally grounded, leading with love rather than fear? Because that's the two primary emotions that lead all of humanity. Love and fear. Hell, it's for all animals that exist. They're either afraid of being eaten by the prey or they're sitting there and they're, and they're showing love to their pride or their herd or their flock or however we have decided to name big groups of certain particular types of animals. Crowds. They're leading with love or fear. And if you're leading with fear, you're going to come at it with anger. You're going to come at it with vitriol. You're going to come out after it with spite and jealousy and, and resentment. And when you come at it that way, yes, other people are going to want to shut it down. They're not going to want to listen to you and they're going to want to yell back. But when you lead with love, not like romantic love, like we're all wanting to sing Kumbaya and get ourselves in you know, some sort of big sex orgy. What I'm talking about with love is like realizing that all we really want as humans, as animals, is food, water, warmth, and shelter. When we can slow down enough to realize that we all have the basic same needs, we just have different ways of discovering those in our lives, uncovering them and, and providing them to us and the ones that we love. We just have different ways of doing it. Some ways can seem more detrimental to society because society looks at all of these things as how is it benefiting or harming society. But to the individual, they think that being racist and saying mean things towards other people based on their race, color, creed, gender, sex, whatever it might be, they think it's just a way of protecting themselves from quote-unquote outsiders. There's a lot of learning and a lot of education, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience with other people outside of their, their little social circle, their little community they've created that keep them in their bubble. Yes, there's a lot that can be said for the experience of being around people who are not like you. But we can't legislate this into practice. 
Politicians can't just demand it of us. This is something that we have to work on ourselves at a local level, one-on-one. This is the random conversation you have in the park with someone who's not like you, who upon first interaction with them, first look at them, you think there is no way in hell I want to be around that person until you get into the conversation and realize that there are actual similarities that create a bond, that can create love just for another human. So how can you begin to utilize what we're talking about in this episode in your life? First and foremost, I'm finding you in a college environment or a high school or post-grad, whether you're a traditional, non-traditional student, you are going to find yourselves in rooms with people who are not like you, who do not have the background that you have. How are you seeking to connect with them? Where are you going to now start looking for ways to ask them questions and learn more about their experiences? And instead of immediately hearing conflict out of their mouth, start listening for similarities. And when there is a conflict, when there is something that you disagree upon, can you talk about it in a rational, calm manner? Or do you just start going off and yelling about how their media is crap and how your media is always right? No human truly wants to ever find themselves being wrong. Cognitive dissonance will have us seeing ourselves idealized as one way, but in reality knowing we're another way. We've already got that conflict. On top of being told that we're wrong, especially about something where we have attached values and morals and ethics and principles to, now we're going to want to put up our dukes and start fighting. I said dukes, like I'm in 1884. Now we're going to want to throw our fist around. Whether that's real throwing of fists or just metaphorical throwing of fists as in words and spittle coming out in angry vitriol. Conflict avoidance is going to be something that will wreak havoc on your life from now until the day you die if you don't start stepping into it and discovering what inside of you has got you so afraid to speak your voice, and allow yourself to be heard. I don't want to have to keep reminding you that speaking your voice and allowing yourself to be heard does not mean shouting louder than someone else, screaming at someone in their face, telling them how wrong or how much of a piece of crap they are. That is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about when it comes to conflict avoidance is knowing that if something is bothering you, that you bring it up. We all have had roommates. We've all had people that we've lived with. Does them not making the bed annoy you? Does you not locking the door annoy them? Does leaving a spoon in the sink or the shoes all scattered out throughout the house or little candy wrappers everywhere, is this bothering you or is it bothering them? And are you both afraid to discuss it because the other person might reject your idea for how to handle it? Maybe they say, I don't give a damn if you don't like the house being a mess. I do, so suck it. (laughs) And now you've got to deal with that. But holding your tongue and just living in a filthy house and allowing yourself to get more and more angry at them will take these little tiny resistances you have to talking about something and turn them into resentments. And the longer you feel resentment, the more likely you are to finally have a rejection argument. Where now it's like, that's it. The relationship's over. The friendship's over. The being of roommates is over. Now you're giving somebody the silent treatment for a 
the rest of the day, a week, a month, for the rest of your life. We are literally watching entire families be destroyed by politics because they can't just resolve a conflict. My favorite way to resolve any political conflict is to realize there is only so much control I have over what these politicians do. Whether I voted them in or not does not mean that every single decision they make I condone. I vote a lot of my politicians in based on their long-term projections for how we can begin to help the environment, for how we can begin to help the economy so that there's more of an equal distribution of opportunity and jobs so that wealth doesn't just exist for the 1%, but it can be attainable and achievable for everyone. I look for those that are looking to build a bigger, broader sense of the word community so that it's more of a feeling instead of it just being an address or zip code. But I do not condone every decision that they make. So I'm not going to sit here and be chastised by anyone about this, that, or the other, because let's face it, the politician you voted for probably hadn't done all that much better than the one I voted for. But yet we've watched family after family and community after community just rip itself apart. Because we can't just sit down and start to find the similarities between us. We're so focused on the conflicts. So let's begin to resolve these conflicts, one interaction at a time. When you don't discuss things that are upsetting you in your own home, in your work environment, wherever you frequent enough that somebody's little things about them begin to annoy you, And again, I've discussed how you choose to be annoyed, but if you've already made that decision to be annoyed and then that annoyance starts to turn into anger, you got to talk about it. You've got to seek resolution in the conflict or it will eat you alive. If I'm finding you at the traditional college level, even in the high school level, around the world, wherever I'm finding you, you know you see these conflicts. You know you have them in your life. You know you live in a home where you would rather it be something be happening one way when in fact it's consistently happening in another way. And if you're not willing to talk about that, it's going to continue to just poke and poke and poke at you. Somebody said a long time ago, don't sweat the small stuff because it's all small stuff. And they were wrong. That, those little small things can become the, the tiny bricks that one day build a gigantic wall that that person who's been the reason you've built all those bricks have created this wall, they'll never be able to bust through it. You'll have so much resentment built up over the course of time around that person and what they've done to pseudo-annoy you, that there's just not going to be any way of repairing it without a lot of hard work. And we've already seen that a lot of people are more than ready to get pissed off at someone, but they're not ready to put in the effort to resolve it. Don't get yourself into a position where it takes years and years and years to resolve a conflict that could have just been discussed and worked through. And it may not come to a resolution that thrills you. It may not come to a resolution that thrills them. That's what negotiating is. It's a give and take until both parties can walk away sort of kind of satisfied with what just happened. (laughs) You're at a stage in your life 
where you are discovering the habits that are going to create your future. Discover where in your life you are avoiding conflict and begin to meet it head on. You know I love to give actionable steps and somebody's probably listening for the seven-step process to guarantee you never have conflict avoidance in your life ever again. I don't know if it's seven steps. I think it's just one primary step. Sit down with the person who is bringing this level of conflict into your life calmly and rationally at a time that's appropriate for both of you. Don't just walk into the kitchen when it's clear that they've got a lot on their mind and be like, I want to talk to you about why the socks are always on the floor. Make sure that it's a good time for everybody to just step back and talk. And then just sit down and say, hey, you know, is there something that's been bothering me? And if I let it continue to bother me without bringing it to light, then it's just going to cause me to build up resentments. And then things that weren't even bothering me are going to start bothering me because I'm going to have so much resentment build up that nothing you do is going to be able to stop me from thinking about what I'm resenting about you. So let's just meet it head on and let's just have this conversation. I'd like to discuss with you about why the socks on the floor upset me. And then really, really make sure you know why the socks on the floor upset you. Why does the spoon in the sink upset you? Why does the door being left unlocked upset you? Like really ask yourself, step into your own version of self-awareness and figure out where at your core does that kind of behavior upset you? Is it because as a child you were told that cleanliness is next to godliness and so you just decided that your house was going to be super clean all the time and socks being on the floor makes you feel like your house is dirty and when your house is dirty you feel like life is chaotic and when life is chaotic you get stressed and full of anxiety and you can't calm down and then you can't even sit down and relax. All you want to do is clean and the socks may be the only thing that you can see not being in place but what if there's dust behind the bookshelf under the floorboard? Now i got to pull everything out and i got to dust it. Oh my God, I need to freak out. All because of socks. But if you can go back to the beginning of when you started to be bothered by socks being on the floor years and years and years ago, you'll get at the core of why that behavior bothers you. And that's what I want you to bring up in the conversation. Not, I don't like your socks on the floor because I think you're lazy. Stop being fucking lazy. So we're not looking for blame and anger here. We're looking for them to connect to why it's important to you. Because when you can explain to them why it's important to you, and it it really has an anchor somewhere inside of you that causes this particular behavior or thought or feeling to, to really get at you, now they can connect with you at a deeper level. You've been vulnerable with them. Now maybe they can tell you why it's important that they leave their socks on the floor. Maybe it's because their parents also raised them to think that cleanliness is next to godliness. And so now their own little way of being uh, separated from their parents and being independent and doing what they want is that they just leave their socks wherever the hell they want to. My sister does not keep the most tidiest of houses. I like a very tidy and clean house, but yet we were raised by the same parents. We just have two different ways of expressing what we learned about cleanliness as a child. And as a child, we were left 
with the idea that you can let things get into a state of disarray for a certain amount of time, but then you do a deep clean. So that's my real, you know, I let things get 10, 15, 20% around disarray, and then it's a deep clean time. My sister just never did the deep clean thing. It's not a fault of hers. It's just the way she behaves. So when we have conversations around it, I get at the heart of why she wants to behave that way. She gets at the heart of why I want to behave the way I do. And then the conflict is resolved. I'll get you out of here on this. If you don't start seeking ways to remedy the conflict avoidance that you have in your life, you're one day going to come to with a series of explosions around the people that you love and a series of conversations that have turned into arguments that lead to one of you feeling rejected. And when that rejection happens, that's when lives fall apart. That's when relationships are destroyed. That's when things are said that cannot be taken back. And then you end up having the rejection you are afraid of all along actually happen at a level that is perhaps beyond repair. When you lead with fear and you don't want to have these conversations that are tough because you're afraid what you have to say about the socks on the floor could get rejected, so you hold it in and you bottle it up and you just let it get at you and get at you and get at you, then you ultimately will end up having that rejection experience anyways, but this time it's magnified like an A-bomb. Well, could it just been a simple you know, fly swatter swacking the, the cabinet now turns into a forever altering nuclear blast throughout your life. Have the choice right now and make the choice to have the uncomfortable conversation before it turns into a very uncomfortable explosion. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Until we meet again, my friends, have a splendid week. Bye-bye. Oh, before I let you go, for those of you who have been listening to the show for a long time, I have been getting DMs about how you can become part of the Wise Mind Tribe, where you can actually get either group or one-on-one coaching with me. A lot of you have already realized that you just need to DM me through at Jesse Mogul on Instagram, and I will get back with you as soon as I see the message. For those of you who have not heard me talk about this in the past, let me reiterate it now. <laughs> Whether you want to send me a DM at Jesse Mogul on Instagram or at From Sobriety to Recovery on Instagram, on Facebook, it's not hard to find me at Jesse Mogul. I am literally the only Jesse Mogul on the planet. If you would like to know more about how to join group or one-on-one coaching so that we can start to help you with your emotional intelligence, uh, perhaps you've got some issues with your physical body that you would like to have some guidance and some accountability toward, you want to work on the biochemistry of your mind and how it is that you create your habits and the structures and routines that create your life that you are currently living, if you'd like to know more about how your environment is just as much creating your world as anything else. If you want to know more about your emotional intelligence, if you want guidance and coaching around these things, you need only stand up, raise your hand and step forward. I will call on you. DM me at Jesse Mogul on Instagram 
find me on social media. Hell, if you want to send me an email, it's jesse at jessemogul.com. If you want to send a carrier pigeon, then just let the carrier pigeon hear my voice for about 20 seconds and then just tie a little note to its little claw and send it out Game of Thrones style. Trust me, the carrier pigeon will find me. All right, that's my little spiel about the coaching. If you want to know more about it, reach out. I will call upon you. Aside from that, be amazing. See you next week. Bye-bye.